Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and here on the podcast, we continue to do our Power 5 previews. Chris, this week we break down the Pac-12, and next week it's the Big 12 before week zero of the college football season is here. Yeah, and, you know, the Pac-12 is going to be real interesting. I, I think that there's, uh, I think, a misperception um, about the Pac-12. I actually think the league is pretty good. It just is devoid of a national championship contender in my mind. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the PAC 12 and put it up against the ACC, um, you know, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Washington state, Utah, maybe even USC, uh, every one of those teams are better than anybody that's second in the ACC. Uh, obviously just a, a, a big gap uh, in, in nowhere near close to Clemson. But no, I, I think the conference is going to be competitive, which is going to make for an intriguing uh, season this year uh, in both the South and the North. Is Washington still the class of this conference? No, I think Oregon's got a little more talent. I think okay. Washington is, uh, listen, I, there's got a, I think Washington is extremely well coached. I need to see what Oregon can do. Obviously, with the best offensive line in the league that Oregon has, they've got playmakers. They've got some guys on defense that can make plays. They've got a really good quarterback, a proven guy. So I, mean, I think this is Oregon's got the best roster. Washington's replacing a lot of guys. They've got you know a new quarterback, assuming it's going to be Jacob Eason, and mm -hmm. that's an assumption at this point. But I, I think Oregon has more talent. They've got the most talent in the North. Um, but again, I don't know. I, I, I certainly like Washington's ability. Washington's got a little tougher schedule too. They've got uh, Utah on their schedule. Um, you know, um, Oregon doesn't have Utah on their schedule. Um, they would have to meet in the conference championship game, but I think it's a two team race. I do think that Oregon and Washington have separated themselves from Stanford. I think Washington state will be tough. Um, so I, I think the North is maybe a tad better, but, mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, I think certainly, uh, probably, uh, going to be competitive on both sides. Yeah. And look, you can't talk about the PAC 12 without talking about USC, Chris. I think they're the most intriguing team right now, nationally, at least in this conference, because everyone wants to know when this fall from grace, for lack of a better term, is going to stop and turn itself around. Last year was a disappointing year for Clay Helton. I think a lot of people expected him to lose his job, but here he is. They had the whole issue with hiring Cliff Kingsbury, only to see him then go into the NFL and take the job with the Arizona Cardinals. So now they bring in a new offensive coordinator, and they're kind of searching for an identity there in Southern California. Yeah, and, you know, I just a um, little bit um, – taken aback by where USC is right now. I love Clay, uh, love his dad. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't know that um, that these that he's the right fit. I, I think this is one of the elite jobs in the country. I think that one of the things that's hurt them a little bit is that USC traditionally has been a late recruiting program, meaning 
they they don't have a lot of early commitments. They and I think it's hurt them a little bit with that philosophy and style with the early commitments. And I listen, they still got a lot of talent. They really do. I mean, they've got a lot more talent than a team that won five games last year. But they don't have the type of talent that intimidates people like they used to. They don't. And I think it's a question is, do they need a more dynamic leader that can have a top five recruiting class that maybe can really shake things down a little bit and then obviously give them an edge on the sidelines? I look at what they're doing offensively. Okay, they're going to go spread and do their version of the air raid, which may look a little different. This is USC. I mean, you line up with the, you know, the best offensive line anywhere west of the Mississippi, and you got great backs after great to run the football. You have great quarterbacks, got great receivers that can beat one-on-one coverage. I mean, come on. And then defensively, guys running around, where's the great talent? I think they're they're resorted to a little bit of a junk offense and a junk defense. I mean, I don't want to take shots at people, but it's like they're Washington State, and Mm. they're trying to get as much out of the program as they can. This is USC. They should look like USC should like look like, and we're talking about them. Can they catch Utah? Can they beat Utah? I mean, are you for real? Really? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, can they beat Utah? I mean, are we really asking that question? Well, it's a legitimate question because I think Utah is much better coach. Washington is much better coach. And I realize it, it, in the, the South, it's just, Utah and and they don't have to worry about the north to the championship game but no I I just look at USC and say boy um they they probably need some leadership change at the top um of the football program maybe the athletic department um I think USC is one of the great traditions in college football um and and I, they just don't look like a program that you would expect to look I mean they're Alabama they're Oklahoma they're Ohio State that's what USC is, and they're not even, you know, a reasonable facsimile thereof. Yeah, and it's certainly been disappointing. Let's get more into the Trojans right now with Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com. And all right, Ryan, I'm going to hit you with the hard-hitting question first. What's going on with the quarterback position for the Trojans right now in training camp? Crazy, yeah. We just got back from practice. They did uh, practice number 10, full pads, on a Tuesday evening, and it was probably – the worst showing for JT Daniels we've seen this fall. I think the defense dominated the the run game and they really put a lot of pressure on all the quarterbacks, but particularly JT Daniels didn't have a great day, at least one interception out there. A lot, you have some drop passes, just wasn't able to get things rolling. But I think overall, he's still the leader in the clubhouse right now. I think it's close, but him having 11 starts under his belt, I think one of the other quarterbacks is going to have to come out and beat him a lot. Jack Sears is a favorite. A lot of the fans that didn't really like the way JT Daniels played last year. He was super efficient in the scrimmage on Saturday, 20 of 22 with a few touchdown passes and stuff. And he's so athletic. He can take off and run. I think he's probably uh, number two right now, but Matt Fink was, has had some good days. Keaton Slovis, the, the true freshman who uh, was learning uh, under Kurt Warner in high school. He's had some good days, but I think it's going to be a, a JT Daniels, Jack Sears battle. And, They'll probably, we'll probably know a lot more this weekend when they have their fall showcase, which is going to be really their second scrimmage. I'm excited to see about the effects that Graham Harrell's going to have. I know visiting with him and the staff, they, 
they're excited about, you know, what this offense can be. I like the receivers. Um, your thoughts on what this offense is going to look like. Is it a fit for USC? I, I'm a little old school. I think a USC has, man, um, we're not going to do things that are going to spread people out and trick them. We're just going to get out there. We're going to run the football. We're going to be dominant. But it looks like, obviously, with the people in play, that they're going to do things kind of the way they do it. How do you think it's going to work? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point, Chris, because you're talking about USC used to line up and smash in the mouth. And, <laughs> you know, they Norm Chow had some amazing offenses, but they were, you know, Lindell White ran for 52 touchdowns in his career. <laughs> I mean, they were a power team still, even though you, you had Liner throw it all over the place or Carson Palmer and stuff like that. They just, they weren't that way. They weren't tough enough last year to kind of push people around and they needed some kind of scheme to be able to do that. And this is a, this is an effective scheme. I think it's a very efficient offense. They still might run the ball like 45% of the time. So it, you know, I don't think they're going to abandon the run. It's not going to be like a 70% throwing like a Mike Leach kind of air raid offense. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's gone away from that completely, but they needed something because the scheme was so terrible. They basically would ask the quarterback to win you games. That was uh, Sam Darnold, but you're not going to have yeah. the number three pick in the draft all the time. And they really asked JT Daniels as a true freshman to do that last year, and he wasn't able to. So I think this is a quarterback-friendly offense. We've seen all these guys, all of them, in the new system do well. And if you remember just, you know, last spring, uh, you know, you had Matt Fink and Jack Sears. Neither of them looked good in practice running that gumbo kind of scheme. Now they're all looking good, even the incoming freshman, Keaton Slovis. And the good thing is you have a huge – I mean, just a great group of wide receivers. If you remember Stanford, all the size – they had last year USC's got a lot of that kind of size and athleticism and man this is a it has to be the best group in the Pac-12 and I would venture to say top three in the country or so it's uh you know they want to run eight to ten of them out there they don't they're not going to be much deeper than that but man it's a really good looking group so whoever the quarterback is you got a lot of these guys to throw to a lot of them are six four six five you got a Josh follow like a six six tight end I think they're going to be able to create some mismatches uh, with this wide receiver core, it looks really good. So, to me, the passing offense is going to be good. I'm not sure about the run offense yet. I like the running backs. I'm not sure how the offensive line is going to come together. But overall, they needed a scheme upgrade, and that's what they got with Graham Harrell. What about some of the young guys? You mentioned that wide receiver core. Uh, when will we see guys like Brew McCoy or Kyle Ford? Yeah, so both of those guys are, you know, five-star guys coming in, and neither of them are healthy right now. With Kyle Ford, he has the knee injury he's still coming off that. I don't know if we're even going to see him uh, until like a month or two from now. We'll see. They're going to slowly bring him along. And Brew McCoy's got some weird illness that he's had like the flu or, or some kind of fever. and Home sickness? Walking. Transfer sickness? What do you want to call it? <laughs> yeah, I, we, we saw him today walking out of the tunnel, but he wasn't with the team. He's getting like these fevers and stuff. We're not really sure why. They haven't really told us much. But the two guys that, you're, you know, you probably are less heralded, you got Drake London, who's a, a two-way player, basketball player, uh, six foot four, six foot five. I love his moves off the line of scrimmage. He's caught a couple of rebounds in the end zone, in the, uh, in the red zone for touchdowns. I think he can be a difference maker for USC. And Maneer McLean was like a three-star guy that no one really recruited that hard. He's got great speed. He's six foot four. He's made a lot of crazy plays in, in practice. So it seems like every receiver – you can get misses in recruiting all the time, but for USC and receivers, they just seem to hit on all of them. So even a guy like Maneer McLean, who you wouldn't talk about because you got all these other five-star receivers, he's been killing it in camp too. 
Talk a little bit about their defense. I've known Clancy Pendergast for years. We worked on a staff in the NFL and, you know, I've always liked some of the things he does, but, but I always, always tell him, gosh, simplify things a little bit. You know, I, I think he's likes to get creative. He likes to pressure the quarterback who doesn't, but you know, a lot of times they take a lot of chances. I think this defensive line has a chance to be pretty good. Tell me what you think. What can they get out of their base pressure looks? Can this defense be good enough uh, and maybe a little bit better than some people are giving it credit for? That's funny that you would say that because they're trying to do that as far as simplification of the defense. One of the criticisms was like, you know, that when they beat Stanford with uh, Ed Orgeron, you know, a few years back, and they only had to play, they played 12 guys on defense, you know, and Stanford like stalled in the red zone, like every time they were in there. But I think with this defense, they have enough young athletes. You need to rotate guys. You need to get guys in. You can't make it so complicated that only 50 or seniors can play in it. And you, there was like this circle of trust that Clancy would have with certain defensive players. And those are the only guys that would play. I think now they're opening it up because they're really deep on that front seven. They're pretty young in the secondary. I, I like the depth. A lot of the guys with injuries have come back, but you're going to have to play some young players. And I think this off season, one of the mandates besides changing the entire offense was to really try to simplify things on the defensive side. I'm, I'm not, you know, until I see it, I'm not going to say, Hey, they're definitely going to do that. Their fronts looked a bit, little bit different instead of like uh, just two down linemen. Sometimes they have three or four guys with their hand on the ground. I, because of that front seven, the depth they have, I think they can mix and match the pieces and, and try some different things that, you know, you can, you can, uh, whatever opponent you're playing too, you can kind of mix and match for that as well as Stanford. You know, they always do something weird for Stanford, but yeah, I think you're going to see more three and four down linemen from USC than, than what we've seen in the past. They're not going to have that predator spot that we saw Port Augustine play a lot of last year, but I think there's a, there's a quiet optimism uh, with this defense. They just weren't making a lot of big plays last year and they want to get after the football you know force some turnovers and i think they're going to be able to do that the secondary is definitely the the one area of concern that you would have but mm -hmm. seeing guys like talanoa hufunga come back and elijah griffin from a couple of soldier shoulder surgeries uh, they're really studs in, in the secondary and but they're young they're like sophomores so you're talking about sophomores and freshmen playing all over the place in the secondary i think there's some good players and a guy like chris Steele who Went to Florida, you know, played mm -hmm. spring ball there, transferred back. He was working with the ones today at practice, really, for the first time. He looks like a player out there. So I think that the secondary is looking better than what I thought it would look a couple weeks ago. Ryan, what's the overwhelming sense surrounding this schedule? You know, you got road games at BYU, at Washington, at Notre Dame, but you get Stanford at home, you get UCLA at home, uh, Utah as well. Is this a manageable schedule? Can this be a nine-win, ten-win season? I mean, the, with the talent they have, it certainly can. But the problem is those first six games are brutal. I mean, you're talking about you, you <laughs> open with Fresno State, who won 12 games last year, and I know – They've lost a lot of bodies from, from the team last year. But Jeff Tepford, a couple of years ago, took over a one-win team mm -hmm. and won 10 games the next year. He doesn't need a whole bunch of returning starters to make this a good team. They won 12 games last year. They beat two Pac-12 teams that beat USC last year. So that's no easy game. And, you know, BYU on the road, they got, BYU's got this ridiculous home schedule uh, of Washington, Utah, and USC. And then they play Tennessee on the road. If you're BYU – of those four games, which is going to be the easiest one to win? Probably mm -hmm. a five and seven USC team at home. Like that's probably the game that they're going to circle as the most winnable 
of all those tough games. So, and plus the conference games and, you know, on the road at Washington, who won the Pac-12 last year, on the road at Notre Dame, who was a college football playoff team. Those are the first six games. Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. They have to get out to a quick start. And I think if you can manage that, I mean, four and two would be a, a ridiculously good start. Uh, even three and three wouldn't be bad, but two and four is certainly not uh, out of the realm of possibility. And if you're talking about five and seven followed by two and four, I don't care how tough the schedule is. That's going to put a whole lot of pressure on Clay Helton. So I don't think anyone's looking at the schedule as manageable, but they need to, they have to play better. They have to play tougher. If they play USC football uh, the way we've seen it before, I think they have a chance, but it's no easy schedule. They can't come out and uh, with some slow walk and try to work their way through the schedule. They have to start <laughs> off right away because it's tough from the get-go. And Ryan, look, I mean, let's just go there for a second. I, I mean, if you don't go 3-0, and which you've illustrated, it's no given. Uh, yeah, for people that don't have the schedule handy. Uh, yeah, how about games 4, 5, and 6? Uh, Utah at Washington, Notre Dame. Okay, hello. Um, so <laughs> if you don't go 3-0, and I mean, you lose a game. I hate to even go there, but but then it gets really ugly. I mean, if we're talking about after six games, you know, what if we're talking about two and four? Um, does does he lose the team? Is this the type of team that's going to reality? Got a lot of good football left because you come back, you got Arizona, you got Colorado, or you got Oregon, but you got Arizona State, Cal, UCLA. I mean, still a, a lot of football left, but, you know, you worry about that four, five, and six that could maybe send this team into a down spiral. Do you think this team has the maturity level to kind of hang in there or will they just kind of fall to pieces? Yeah, it's a great point because, uh, you know, if you, if you don't go three and oh, I mean, are you losing to an F, uh, the, the Fresno state or BYU? That's like, that's, it's going to be hard to recover from that. Losing to Stanford who's, you know, they lost so much from their offense last year. Uh, you know, Bryce Love and all those big receivers and stuff. Like, that's going to be a rebuilding Stanford team. It's like you kind of have to go 3-0. and And if you don't, will they have the medal to be able to bounce back? Can you get punched in the throat? I mean, they changed a lot of things in this offseason. They're saying the right stuff. But that first time you get punched in the mouth, maybe it's a loss to BYU on the road. Maybe it's a loss to Stanford. Can you bounce back and go, hey, all those philosophy changes, that, that culture change that we talked about, it's okay. Hey, this is a bump in the road. We're going to bounce back. We can beat Utah, who won the South last year. We can beat Washington on the road. Yeah, we did it in 2016. Are they going to be able to do that? I'm just not sure, guys. It's like there's. I think they've made some really positive changes, but all uh, you know, great plans. But uh, you know, until <laughs> until you know, you get the first little bit of adversity, plans go out the window. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to bounce back from that. But you, that's why it's so important to start off three and zero, and then you can try to manage that. You know. And try, you know, if you win one of those next three games, at least you're in a pretty good spot. But you can't get swept by those three schools either. So uh, no one's going to expect them to go on the road and beat Notre Dame. But if you lost to Utah and you lost to Washington, you kind of have to do that. So oh, man. I'm really yeah. curious to see how they bounce back from something like that because there's going to be adversity in the first six games. And you've got, you got a good handle on this. But, you know, the crystal ball seeing into the Trojan family and administration is a little different looking <laughs> than others. <laughs> so um, – uh, that's the best way I'll, I'll put it. Um, we know, obviously, that the, the sounds were very vocal internally with a lot of big boosters, at least, to talk with it. Just weren't really happy. Wanted to make a move on Clay last year. I think everybody loves Clay. You can't, you can't help but like him, love him, love his dad. But, 
you know, you just get the feeling sometimes is, is this job too big for him? I think a lot of people have asked that in football and I think it's a fair question. You know, Len stuck with him and for better or for worse. Do, do you, do you get a feel like obviously if it's a seven and five season, you know, go to a bowl game, uh, uh, regardless what Lynn wants to do, will it be forced on him? We are making a move. Is there a line of demarcation that you say, that's it. He's got to win this amount. And it doesn't matter how you look and who you beat. Because I think beating a Washington, beating a Notre Dame, beating a Utah, beating maybe any combination of one or two of those teams and finishing strong, that's a different look than just, you know, you're not competitive in those games. But Give us a sense of big picture. What do you think he has to do to show enough life in the program to get another year? Yeah, I think it's about the results. So I think like winning the Pac-12 South uh, would be very important. And I think you could eight and four is probably maybe the worst case scenario for USC fans because is it enough to make a change? Mm-hmm. Um, but are you really getting much better? And if you just look back a couple years in 2017. They won the Pac-12, but they didn't look that good a lot of the year. Um, there were some really close games. They got smoked by Notre Dame. They got smoked by Ohio State, like the, the power teams. And people wanted changes after that season. And, and, and for the most part, Clay Helton stood pat and then had to make mass changes last year after the disastrous 5-7. and seven. So I kind of think you're on notice. Uh, you have to show some results. If you don't win the division and you're you're still uh, Utah's really good, but I still think USC is the most talented team in the division. You got to go out and win that. And I'm I'm not saying he needs to win the whole Pac-12, but at least win the South. And if you do that and you look, you know, you're not getting smoked by Notre Dame on the road, and you know Washington didn't bolo you up there in Seattle. I think you got a shot, but I'm not sure when Swan's going to be the athletic director. Uh, you know, <laughs> point, three months point. from now or two months from now. Yeah, I mean, man. I'm not. It's you know, Pete Dammel wrote a nice, oh, interesting piece, I guess you could say, in, you know, in Yahoo Sports the other day. And, um, yeah, it might have been yesterday or something. And, you know, he was speculating. He didn't think Lynn Swan was going to be there by Thanksgiving. I talked to Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports and The Athletic, and he said the same thing. So I think a lot of people are figuring with the new president coming in for USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrell Folt came in from uh, in July from North Carolina that she's going to make some sort of change. And I don't definitely necessarily disagree with that. It's not like he has the experience or uh, it really any kind of resume to be an athletic director. He's just a former USC football player, and the last USC, the last three USC athletic directors have all just been former <laughs> football players. So, <laughs> yep. it, after a while, you you know you need some good leadership, and I think you've had enough of the figurehead guys. You need someone you know that's really been experienced, who's run an athletic department for a major program before, and USC just hasn't done that for since I think 1984. You can check out Ryan, Ryan's work. You're awesome, on, man. Yep. Check him out on uscfootball.com. Follow along on Twitter at Inside Troy. He is Ryan Abraham. No one covers USC like him. Ryan, we appreciate the time and the insight. We'll be following along all season, and we look forward to catching up with you over the course of the year. Thanks so much, guys, Thank, for having me on. It's thanks, great. Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Uh, keep in touch. Great stuff there from Ryan. Uh, again, check him out on, on Twitter at InsideTroy or USCFootball.com. Interesting stuff there, Chris, when he was talking about those articles uh, being written about the future of Lynn Swan and how that could affect the future of Clay Helton. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about it. They do have a new president, as Ryan mentioned. Um, you know, USC has had, the, as Ryan also mentioned, if you look at it, they're all ex-Trojans, uh, you know, Mike Garrett, Pat Hayden, Lynn mm-hmm. Swan. 
I mean, again, they, they team, they seem to run it like, uh, you know, a, a family business instead of a multi-million dollar corporation, which it is leadership, uh, from the athletic department and how they do things. But you know, there's a lot of, Hey, this is the Trojan way. This is the way we do it type attitude. And, you know, I think the just falling into mediocrity is something they got to fix. And they've been here before and they kind of, you know, failed on a number of hires and lucked into Pete Carroll as an afterthought. And that turned the program around. This can be turned around in a hurry. It can. But, you know, I think it's going to require good leadership. And, Mm -hmm. you know, who you hire and maybe going in the direction where they may make a move, as Ryan suggested, that uh, may put Lynn Swine out first and then maybe a new athletic director. Do they have somebody in mind? Does he make the move on the coach? You know, I think that that Clay's got to show significant improvement. I do agree with Ryan. I think they probably need to win the South, probably need to be competitive in the Pac-12 championship game to show that, hey, we're, we're getting close. We're almost there. We're taking that step. I think, and I think that even that might be fool's goal, but I think that's what it's going to take to get him to that next season. Otherwise, I think we're going to see a complete overhaul. I mean, you're looking at a division which Utah's well coached. Arizona State's doing a nice job. UCLA's the youngest team in college football. They've got 87 freshmen and sophomore. You're going to, you're going to see them being better this year under Chip Kelly. Um, you know, so I, I think there needs to be kind of a call to order about the state of the USC program and how do they get that program looking like a Trojan again. Let's quickly run through the remainder of this conference, and we'll start right there in Southern California with UCLA, as you mentioned, the youngest team in college football. But what type of improvement will they see under Chip Kelly here? I think a little bit. Uh, I think you're going to see maybe them get to six. I think seven, it's doable. But I think you're going to see the tempo, the offense, be ratcheted up a little bit because you got guys in the second year in the system. Chip didn't come in to tinker with the program. He came in with a bulldozer, and he's going to build it in his image. I think their success is going to begin in 2020 and 2021. But I think you're going to see an improvement, obviously, with the three wins, and all of them, by the way, in the Pac-12. You're going to see an improvement off of that. Uh, Beating Cincinnati and San Diego State would be much more impressive wins than you might think. They do have Oklahoma on the schedule. Then they got at Arizona State at Arizona. So uh, they need to win their first two, likely could lose their next two. And then you got Arizona, Oregon State, Stanford, which is probably going to set the tone for the rest of their season. Improvement, Joshua Kelly's an outstanding back, a really good player. Um, You're going to see Dorian Thompson-Robinson take the next step at quarterback. But I think they're a couple of years away. Recruiting has not been as good as I thought it would be. Maybe some on-the-field success could write you that up. Sticking in the South, Herm Edwards and the Arizona State Sun Devils. Well, I like the way he's recruiting. I like the attitude. I like the development. What they've done has been really good. But let's just call it like it is. There was a lot of really good players left over by Todd, by Todd Graham. We're going to start to see kind of what they are now. You know, Benjamin is one of the best running backs in the country. They just named their starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels, a true freshman. So we're going to start to see, again, the longer you're into your program, the more it becomes yours. We're going to see how sustainable what Herm is doing will be going forward. But uh, there's some still some good talent left over. So I, I think we could see maybe, you know, I mean, I, I think they're going to a bowl game, but I don't know that 
the expectation is maybe, boy, they might win nine and win the, the South. I don't see that. I don't see them as a real strong competitor to Utah, and I think USC has more talent. What about Arizona? Well, I think this is a team that has to rebound in a big way. Khalil Tate, we're going to get an early look at them. We're going to be talking about that game next week as they start week zero against Hawaii. They need to Khalil, deep Khalil Tate to be Khalil Tate, mm-hmm. and they need to get that offense unleashed. Uh, they've got a talent void. I think J.J. Taylor's really good. I think they've got a couple of players on defense are good, but they they have just not recruited to the level that they need. They need to get somehow to six wins. It's possible. Uh, probably need to beat Hawaii to do it, but it's still an uphill battle. But, you know, Khalil Tate could win you a game. They've got to unleash him. That was the biggest mystery in the biggest head scratcher in college football last year is how they yeah, played. Yeah, because he had such a great year the year oh, before. Oh, man. Like, hey, this guy could win the Heisman type. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Disappear. But, you know, he wanted to be a pocket guy. He wanted to learn that part. That's not what he is. So, listen, Kevin's got to figure that out. He ran into trouble at A&M because he tried to appease every player that were there. At some point, you got to take ownership and you got to take leadership and direction of your program. He's got to put his foot down and say, hey, Khalil, this is what's going to make you elite. This is what's going to take us to the next level. And uh, you, you've got to be great. Now, keep an eye out for Booby Curry, a wide receiver, a true freshman that I think can come in and have an impact for him. He's a Texas um, speechster. Uh, they need more of those guys. They're just not talented enough. They're uh, going to be a fast-paced offense from snap to snap. What can we expect to see from Utah this year? Oh, man, uh, the best defense in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe certainly losing a couple of guys on special teams in the kicking game, but the best special teams year in and year out in the country, not just the Pac-12. An offense that is going to be like their backs and like their ability to run the football. Um, and I think they've got a very athletic quarterback that can make plays for them. I think they're the favorite in the South. I think anything sort of winning the South is going to be disappointing. I trust them more than I trust USC. I do agree that player for player, USC has more speed, more talent, more highly recruited guys, but there's no doubt in my mind, Utah is a better football team than USC because they're better coach. They're fundamentally sound. And this defensive line, is good in its deep. I mean, in the class of some of the top five in the country, in the Clemson, Alabama, um, Michigan State, Auburn, they're in that group. They are really good. They rotate five defensive tackles. They're not the explosive speedsters, but they're heavy-handed guys that get really good push, and they rotate those guys. They are fresh. They're going to be a handful. A little bit of a question mark at linebacker, but very, very good defense. This is a rock-solid team. And Tyler Huntley, he can make the type of plays that I think he can at quarterback this year. That'll give them some playmaking ability. They're short on playmaking ability, but they're just really good on defense. I think they're a 10-win team, um, maybe better, maybe 11 wins. Rounding out the South, can Colorado steal wins from people? I think eventually they can. They're starting to recruit at a different level. I don't think they have enough playmakers to get it done, but they have a couple of them. The quarterback can make plays, and LaVisca Chenault is outstanding. I just don't see enough there. They can certainly compete. Got to beat Colorado State. Got to beat Air Force. You know, can they beat Arizona? Can they maybe surprise Washington State? Probably not. 
you know, I think there are a couple of games there, but you look at their schedule at Utah, Washington, Stanford, at UCLA, USC at home, at Oregon. No, they're not going to win a whole lot of games this year. Four would be good for Mel. Let's head to the North, Chris, and talk about the power that is Oregon in this conference. Why is everybody picking them to win the Pac-12 this year? What is so special about the Ducks? Well, I think it's the best offensive line in the conference, and I think they've got the most explosive playmakers. You look at the quarterback situation, you've got some changeover at a couple of spots, and K.J. Costello's good. But, you know, Washington State, new quarterback. Washington, new quarterback. Well, Justin Herbert returns. Mm -hmm. um, Got a lot of ability. I think they can run it. I think they've got some playmakers. And I like some of their talent on defense. So, um, Mario's recruited very well. Uh, I think that, um, you know, the key is how well they'll play, how smart they'll play, how consistent they'll be. Um, I think think Oregon's the most talented team definitely in the North. And, and I'd put them up against anybody in the Pac-12, but just in terms of athletic ability. What about Washington? Well, best coach team in the North. I think Washington's rock solid. I mean, they're a more consistent version of Utah. I mean, they they, they get more talent, uh, but they, they're just so good. I like their offensive line. Love their center. I think uh, the guards are pretty good. Trey Adams is one of the elite tackles, left tackles in the country. Uh, they need good health at tight end. Uh, they've got a good one in Hunter Bryant. Um, they need somebody other than Aaron Fuller to step up at receiver. Quarterback situation, what could Jacob Eason give him? I'm going to tell you this. He better protect the football. He's not going to play for Chris Peterson. I think this is a really good team. I think defensively they're rebuilding. Um, they lost a lot of guys in the secondary. They've got some good guys up front. But they coach it so well. I mean, they're just so good. I look at them and, look, I just I think they match up very well. I think that USC, again, has got talent going to Stanford. Um, I think those are definitely winnable. It's the Oregon game, the Utah game, that mm-hmm. most resembles the team that's capable athletically of beating them outside of, you know, USC. But I don't – I think that the combination of Oregon and Utah and and certainly what they can do maybe are bigger threats. And, look, while Washington State gives everybody trouble, not Washington. Uh, the, the Huskies take care of them. So I, yes, I think do. this is another team – that could be a 10-win team, maybe an 11-win team. But mainly, I'm talking about that doing the really good coaching because they're probably more like a 9-win team in terms of personnel. But I have so much respect for the job they do coaching that uh, I could see them. They don't give up big plays. Um, they protect the football. They run it well. They leverage the run well and do a good job in coverage. You just don't get a lot of big plays on this team. So well coached. I think that's what makes this conference a little bit underrated. When you talk about guys like Chris Peterson and David Shaw and Leach with what he does, Justin Wilcox with what he does on defense, Kyle Winningham at Utah, um, you know, Chip Kelly, what I think I mean, they've got some really good coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this conference is a little bit better, save for the fact that it doesn't have that great team. And who knows? Maybe Oregon, maybe Utah can make that run. Maybe be 11 and one. We'll see. Oregon probably is going to need to beat Auburn to get that national stigma attached to that Pac 12 is not good enough. But you have a team like Oregon go 11 and one and beat uh, Auburn, or maybe someone in the Pac 12 um, beat Oregon after Oregon beats Auburn. If that happens, then that gives a little bit better profile. I just don't think there's a nationally a national championship caliber team out of the Pac-12, but there's some really good ones and they play each other nine times that that <laughs> makes for a difficult <laughs> schedule just week in and week out trying to get to that, you know, 
11, 12 win moniker. That's really tough. Yeah. And speaking of one of those difficult schedules, Stanford's going to have to deal with it. They deal with it every year with the teams that are on their schedule. They get Notre Dame at the end of the year. It's the final game of the season for them. But what's there to like about David Shaw's unit this year? Boy, you know, they've lost a little bit of their way. They're, they're going to try to become more of a passing team and they're going to incorporate KJ Costello a little bit more. They've got a really good offensive tackle in Walker Litter. And I think they've got a good tight end, Colby Parkinson, probably the best. Um, in the conference at those two positions, KJ Costello, I think can be really good. Uh, I, I think that uh, they didn't run block very well. That's going to have to be improved upon a great deal. Um, you know, I just, the playmaking ability at, at running back uh, is a question mark. So um, I think the front three defensively should be adequate, uh, but I just don't see this as the type of team that can win the North anymore, mainly because, I think that they've come back to the pack a little bit. They used to be the physical, you know, tough team. Utah is the same. Washington's now the same. So their ability to kind of just maul people and kind of just in in maybe what was considered a finesse league, their ability to be the bully, it's not as effective anymore, and they're not as dominant. They're still going to win a lot of games. Um, I say a lot. I think they could, you know, win eight. Maybe if things break ninth, but look, uh, nine, they got Northwestern early, then at USC, UCF. You talk about an interesting schedule, and then you go to Oregon to start off the conference. I think this is going to be a challenge. I mean, this might be one of those, you know, um, they won nine last year. Wouldn't surprise me if they only can get to eight, maybe nine this year. I don't see 10 wins out of this Stanford team. The next three teams in this division I look at as the spoiler teams, you know, because I don't think anybody expects them to win the division or win the conference, but you can go to their house and possibly lose a game. Uh, Let's start with Oregon State. Well, Oregon State has the worst looking roster in the league. I think uh, Colorado's a little bit ahead, but I tell you, Jonathan Smith does a really good job coaching. He played there. He understands the program. They're getting their type of players in recruiting, which is the right system fits. Uh, They want to follow the Chris Peterson mold at Washington. They just don't have the type of talent to do it. Uh, The receivers are pretty decent. I think they've got a good left side of the offensive line. They just don't have enough talent. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to get to as many as four wins this year. How about Washington State under Mike Leach? Well, I think Washington State, Mike's got it going in the way he likes to run it. Um, They've got really good receivers again. uh, It's about the quarterback. Cooper is is an interesting guy, comes over from Eastern Washington, has got some experience. One of the more underrated players in the country, Max Borgi. He was outstanding as a freshman running back last year. Remember the name, folks. Really good team. They do the best job of offensive post-snap diversion in terms of making everything look the same and doing things differently. I, I think seven, eight wins is doable again. Um, for the Huskies. And finally, we'll talk about the Cal Golden Bears. Love what Justin Wilcox has done defensively. This is a team that gets after it. Talk about physical stout. I mean, the, again, Stanford-like in that regard. Washington-like. Utah-like in that regard. Uh, just no offense. I mean, they were really putrid on offense. They couldn't get anything done. That's going to be the key. I mean, when you score 12 games, uh, 12 points in a game, I and mean, you're not going to win many games. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, 
you know, I think that it, it's about what they can do on the offensive side. There's not enough playmakers. Look, I think they could possibly get to a ball game. I look at their schedule. There are four wins on it. Uh, I think they're four question mark games. Can they go on the road and beat Stanford? Go on the road to beat a UCLA? Can they beat Washington State at home? Can they beat Arizona State at home? All question marks. I don't like their chances. Washington at home, at Oregon, at Utah, or USC. So how do you get to six wins? Well, they're going to have to win two of those games that I thought were question marks. I think it's borderline. If they can get the offense with a pulse and Chase Garbers can make some plays, I think that can be a, a really interesting team because I'm telling you, they are very underrated on defense. Evan Weaver is one of the best players in the country as an inside backer. Cameron Bynum's outstanding. Elijah Hicks, two good corners. Um, this is a really good defense. And, boy, do they leverage the run. They come down and they hit you. So, look, I mean, we see a little physicality in this con- uh, in this uh, this uh, conference. If they can get any offense going, who knows? This, You know, I tell you who they look like. They look like Michigan State in their style. Okay. Physical, but, you know, Michigan State was a disaster on offense last year. So was Cal. Yeah. Michigan State has had more success consistently on offense, but that's who Cal looks like. That's how they play. Really physical. So we'll see if they can get some pulse on offense. If they can, they can go bowling. All right. Final prediction time. I'm going to say Oregon and USC in the Pac-12 title game. I'm going to go Oregon, Utah. I trust Utah. I trust their coaching. I think that their schedule looks to be very favorable, meaning I think they match up well. And the only thing I think is can they handle the 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 hunted role? Everybody's mm-hmm. gunning for them. I, I'm going to say it's Utah, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And then we'll see what happens from there. Get more information on all of these teams at LandryFootball.com because Chris breaks down all college rosters, NFL rosters from detailed film room analysis, player grades, learn how coaches and scouts evaluate players. And don't forget, listen to free podcasts every day on LandryFootball.com from daily conference podcasts and college football to the NFL, deep into the scouting and coaching world. It's all at LandryFootball.com and the Daily Notebooks. Chris, which keep fans up to date on everything going on with their college teams. Absolutely. What's going on in practice is getting ready for the games, injury updates, who's doing what, who's leading in this role for this position, and then any recruiting news. We've got it all covered for you in our daily notebooks, just like we do with the NFL, all the film breakdowns with the game, the recaps of the games uh, from the film where we've got all that done. And oh, by the way, we've broken out today. It's football season. So we got a football season sale. Limited time only. Check it out. Great discount for a year. You get all the football season. You get all recruiting. You get all free agency, the draft for our UNFL fans. So great opportunity. Come on board and join the LandryFootball.com family today. If you don't want to take the year discount, which is 50% off, then you can try us out for a month. Whatever fits your boat, whatever floats your boat, as they like to say. Uh, we're just excited about football season. We know you are as well. I'm locked and loaded. Want you to be locked and loaded for this football season.
Don't forget, follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air, and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room Podcast. And for you NFL fans, check out the Pro Football Film Room Podcast as well, wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we will finish up our Power 5 previews with the Big 12. We will preview Week 0 games, and then after that, we are in to the college football season. Chris? Congratulations. We made it through the entire offseason. We did. Ready to go. Locked and loaded. Talking about football. We'll break down games next week. Real games that are going to be just a few days away. Can't wait. Talk to you then. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.